Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play it against And make his ass play That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, can you believe that this is our sixth season running the podcast? No, man. That, that time flies when you're having fun talking about talking about stuff you love. Man, we've had a lot of good stuff to talk about over this stretch too, right? Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting it going and talking about another season. You know, this season we think about, you know, we've done six years, and this has been a good time. This has been a good era to be an Alabama fan. And I think this season, in my mind, sort of encapsulates the Saban experience. Because how many times would we have gone into a season replacing a record-setting quarterback, replacing a star running back, replacing an all-world wide receiver, replacing a fifth-year singer, uh, senior tight end, replacing uh, two other wide receivers, and replacing three out of five offensive linemen. How many times would we have looked at that and said, well, I guess this is a building year as opposed to, hey, let's go get 16? No, absolutely. We, you know, we talked about this when, when Saban came over from the Dolphins. You know, we talked about how you know, LSU had their run you know, after he left because the cupboard was full. And as you look at these prior classes and you look at the four stars all over the lineup, and then you look at the five stars. I mean, let's face it, in last year's class, you know, 2014 class, you've got, you know, one, two, three, four, four out of six five-star recruits who aren't starting in this depth chart that just got released. And so when you've got when you got four or five star guys who aren't running with the first team, you know, I'm sorry, that's just a great problem to have. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's jump us into uh, the offense, and uh, why don't you pick us a topic? Uh, uh, where on offense do you want to go? You know, we we talked in the spring before you know spring ball and before the a day about things that we were you know looking for with this new team and how they were going to kind of shape up. And one of the biggest things that we started with was talking about the H-back position and how you were going to replace, you know, the Michael Williams of the past and then the Jostin Fowler of this, you know, last year's team. And, you know, we, we kind of said you were going to have to have three people share these responsibilities. And there was, no, there was not going to be one person who was going to be that. Well, one of those big cogs in that wheel was going to be Bo Scarborough. And, and obviously, since then, Bo has gotten banged up. We're not really sure what Bo is going to be able to contribute. You know, he's progressing great, but we don't know what he's going to be able to contribute. And so, you know, I'm curious to see, do we just forget the H-back position completely and just run a two-tight-end set? Because they didn't even list an H-back position on the depth chart. Well, folks, folks, here, here you have it. The most detailed uh, discussion of Alabama football you're going to get because right out of the gates, 
forget the quarterback position. We go right to a position that's not listed on the depth chart with the H back. So uh, that that's the kind of chat you get here, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you're spot on. I think Justin Fowler is definitely a tough guy to a, a tough guy to replace. Um, and I think you go to your personnel, and so we don't have uh, sort of a true uh, Fowler type fullback hybrid multi uh you know swiss army knife kind of player and so you know the depth chart kind of rolls out to um you know two tight ends you also need to think about you know the first depth chart of the season that saban puts out sometimes he's trolling the media and so he did that with a quarterback position where he listed all five as as oars at at the starting position uh, you know, he started, uh, you know, Roy Upchurch as a fullback, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And so there's a little bit of trolling that he does when he puts out the depth chart. But I think that I think what you picked on there was not necessarily trolling. I just don't think we have the personnel for that sort of dynamic player at the H-back. That doesn't mean we won't see someone in that position. We're going to see Nice Wander uh, play that position a little bit. I think we're going to see uh, – you know, some of the, I guess, more conventional tight ends maybe take a turn at it. But I think we're going to see some of the bigger uh, running backs, especially when Scarborough comes back. I think we're going to see him uh, oh, sure. in that position a little bit. We may see Ronnie a little bit uh, kind of in that position. Uh, I think we'll see people do those types of things. And I don't want to say that HMAC was a feature last year, but but we used it. I just think we're going to look at, uh, you know, try to, try to get the same type of action on the field just out of different formations. All right, so let me ask you this. If if last year we were fortunate with Brian Vogler and we talked about how he really did a good job in that blocking tight end role and how O.J. Howard is not that guy, that's just not his build, do you think that we have a blocking tight end currently listed with significant playing time that's going to allow us to run the two tight end sets we like to run, or is it going to be another offensive lineman? Yeah. And so you're going to challenge my memory here on all the tight ends, but, but there, we have a long sort of, uh, you know, Colin peak and, and uh, Brad smelly. And I know I'm going to leave out names, but we have a run of, of these Vogel. Type. Guy. Yes. What's that? Finding a guy. Yes. Yeah. Not only just finding a guy, but they always seem to end up, at the end of the day, they always kind of seem to be the same guy. Right. And, um, and so I think that we're going to find someone, I think hell, uh, you know, the freshman of hell, uh, hint gifts kind of fits in that mold a little bit. I don't think he's going to be quite ready this year, but I think we're going to see something a little bit like, uh, you know, let's go back to the Wayback machine. This is going to be a little bit like, uh, the Travis McCall and Nick uh, uh, was it Nick Johnson at the tight end position. We're gonna ha- where we're gonna have more of a true inline blocking tight end Dakota Ball and more of a route runner uh, OJ Howard and uh, maybe some Tafloni Smith. And so I think it's it's gonna be a little bit of that type of hybrid where we're gonna have more we're gonna have two tight ends and they're gonna be different animals. They're gonna be different things to the offense. So therefore, we're going to telegraph again to the opponents what O.J. Howard is doing when he's in the game like we did last year. I think we're going to find him splitting out a lot more. I think that he's going to be uh, a little more dynamic than what we've seen. I know we called for this last year. Uh, I just think he's got too much talent you know, not to. 
um, you know, not to be utilized. And I think there's going to be a lot of balls in the air available for receivers this year that weren't available last year. So I think he's going to get a, a little more of an opportunity. And let's be realistic. When he was on the field, it, it was kind of telegraphed that it was going to be a pass uh, and that he actually may be the likely target. Uh, you know, his blocking hopefully has improved. And if he's serviceable as a blocker, and that's all he has to be, if he's serv- for, serviceable as a blocker, then that will open him up in the passing game. I think, uh, you know, it's almost like the commute to work. If I leave 15 minutes later, it's going to take me 30 minutes to get to work, right? If he can block just a little bit better, then it will more than one-for-one improve his ability in the passing game. Okay. Well, uh, flip me to your topic. You know, we were going to have a quarterback show just to talk about this position. Um, So is is that the first thing on uh, on your radar? I mean, I'll go there because that's, you know, we've got to spend some, we've got to spend a minute there. And, and, uh, you know, I said it last year, write it down. Coker's going to be the starter and I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, but, uh, I, I he's going to be the starter. I think Coker's going to be the starter. Uh, Alec Morris has, I would say he surprised me. Uh, but then the more I think about who Alec Morris is, you know, who Alec Morris is, he's a little bit of, uh, um, uh, he's a little bit of JP because of the, sh- I think the short passing game is where he would excel. Uh, he's a little bit of a, a McElroy in that he has a very high floor, um, low ceiling, but high floor. And then he's a little bit Blake Sims. He knows the offense better than anybody. And so I think he's someone that you could put out there and we could win 10 or 11 games, uh, you know, just with him being steady at the, at the, at the, uh, at the controls. You, if you put something, someone else out there, they can be more dynamic to win you know, more games, but they have the opportunity to make a little more mistakes. And that's where it's a tough call for the coach. You know, do I want to put the the guy out there, you know, the Jarrell Harris? Do I want to put Jarrell Harris out there that can make Superman plays, but uh, he's going to be caught, you know, kind of with his pants down uh, at other times. And so I'm going to go with, um, uh, your name escapes me, but, uh, you know, kind of the, the lesser athlete at the linebacker, outside linebacker position, because, um, you know, we just couldn't trust Jarrell to always be in uh, in the same place and in, in the right place. And so I think that's a little bit of the Coker Morris dynamic. And, you know, Bateman has a lot of athleticism. I think he's probably going to end up being the third. And I think the coaches want to have the the two younger guys kind of they want to have some separation so they can battle it out next year to see who's actually going to be the multi-year starter. Well, and, you know, we, we've had conversations with others, you know, you and I have about this, and we, we've talked about how, you know, Saban had the, the three-year starter in JP and the three-year starter in uh, our McElroy, um, and, you know, he, he was blessed with having the that, that consistency at the quarterback position. Well, last year, you know, I didn't think we'd win the games that we did with Blake, and to Blake's credit, we did what you just said a minute ago, right? He made some plays at the quarterback position, which won us some games or, you know, or, or, you know, made the, you know, he made some key plays with his, with his mobility that other quarterbacks could not make. I also think last year we, we won some games that maybe we should have lost. And so I think that, you know, I felt like we'd probably win six games. I was pleasantly surprised we won more than six we probably should have potentially lost one, you know, close one that we won. So I can see that I think Jake Coker has more of the tools of what Saban is looking for. 
but I can't get out of my head that he's sitting there looking at Cooper Bateman and saying, I could have three years out of you and I could have two years out of Alec Morse. And I can't get out of my head that in the back of his mind, he's like, I'd like to give one of them a shot so that it's just not a one and done. Yeah. I think that, um, I, I still think the future is, is, uh, is a combination of, uh, a Cornwell and, uh, and the freshman, uh, Blake. And I think probably sort of the eyes are on Blake, uh, and so I don't think he's that concerned with having another one-year guy because I think he likes the opportunity that's going to come uh, with uh, the next guy, and he's going to be multi-year. It's mm-hmm. just, do I go with a high ceiling uh, or do I go with a high floor? And that that can be a tricky decision, especially when everywhere else on the roster, uh, and we'll kind of step it through, but everywhere on, on the roster, this team is built to uh, to compete and compete well. And so kind of what do you do, uh, you know, what do you do at the position? So, you know, one thing I'll tell you about the quarterback position is you can't trust a damn thing you see during A-Day uh, because, you know, this spring during A-Day, it looked like Cornwell had the job. Last year during A-Day, it looked like Bateman had the job. And the last two years, uh, you know, the two years prior, uh, you know, you or I would have done uh, a better job running quarterback than Blake Sims had. And so, you know, all three or all four of those assessments, you know, Blake will never be a quarterback because he can't, because he can't do it. And, you know, there's eight days to prove it. Right. And then Bateman does so well and Cornwell does so, so well. And the opposite of what you take out of, uh, what you take out of a day is exactly what happens. It's the opposite of what you see during a, a day. Uh, and I find that, you know, we have a multi-year, uh, demonstration of that being true. I find that to be pretty interesting. Oh, no, it is. And, and I think it, I really think it speaks to Lane Kiffin's ability to match the system to the right quarterback and, and, and his ability to I mean, to, 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 to Lance, uh, Lance Kiff, uh, Kiffin's credit. He, he really was able to, you know, push the right buttons, right. That 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 fit into Blake Sims' skill set, and and I feel pretty confident that whatever quarterback they run out there, um, he's going to be able to do it again. You know, and that's that's the feeling I have, and I, and I think over this parts of the summer I was kind of worked up about it, and I've kind of mellowed out about it. You know, it, it's you know, hey, just relax. We've got this figured out. If you look at what Lane did with Blake Sims, and if you look at what he did, you know, one year at Tennessee with Jonathan Crompton. Um, you know, both of those guys have footage of being very poor at the position. Uh, both of them also under uh, Kiffin's tutelage have uh, footage of them being very, very successful quarterbacks. And so if you take someone, uh, one of these other guys, uh, I have no doubt that uh, uh, that they're going to have some success, you know, sort of feeding at the uh, at the at, at the table of uh, Lane Kiffin's quarterback school. No, absolutely. Well, hey, give me give me something else that that jumps out at you on offense. I'm super excited about the offensive line. Uh, you know, Cam Robinson, uh, you know, Ross, Ryan Keller, Al, Alphonse uh, Taylor. You know, I'm excited about this group of of linemen. Uh, you know, Alphonse and Dominic. I think we're going to run heavy to the right. We're going to be a run right team in a short yard situation in a in a sort of drive the ball. Uh, situation, critical situation, you know, we're going to run to the right behind big old Dom and big old Alphonse. 
and uh, and I like the versatility that we get with uh, with Kelly, and uh, he could potentially potentially slide over and play left tackle for Cam if that needed to happen. And in Bozeman, I think is versatile that he could play either of the guard spots or the center. So I like that we have the six linemen that you kind of need uh, in you know in today's football. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that about the six linemen because we we talked in the spring about it was very curious that they were moving Brandon Green back to the offensive line because we had said that that he was really their best run-blocking tight end option, okay? And kind of going back to what we said with the, off- the, the tight ends a minute ago, I, I think Brandon Green is probably a better uh, two-tight end guy to be your run-blocking tight end than any of the tight ends on the depth chart currently. Okay, in short yarded situations. So when they moved Brandon Green back over, it made me wonder was he going to be that swing offensive lineman, that six guy? Because we didn't know what the status of Grant Hill was going into to spring ball, right? So now that we know what has happened with Grant Hill, is Brandon Green gonna be that six guy? Or do you think Bradley Bozeman is gonna be that six guy? I think Bozeman's the sixth guy. I think uh, I think Brandon Green is is right there, and I think he gets some opportunity. Uh, you know, I think he's I think he's an inline blocker. Uh, you know, obviously he had the big play out of the tight end position. You know, last year, and and really that was even more of a tackle eligible look. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that again this season. Uh, but I think him coming out of the tackle position, I think I think you know you think about bringing in the tight end for that extra push on the line when we're in a critical must-have situation. You know we we've done it before. We've seen other teams bring on a sixth lineman, and so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that capacity. Uh, like literally, when we bring on a sixth lineman, he would be that guy. Uh, but in terms of the rotation and the versatility to to sort of move uh, kind of a shell game across positions, I think it's Bozeman. But uh, I think we'll see a healthy dose of Brandon Green throughout the season. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think them bringing Brandon Green back over was to do – in other words, I wonder if Brandon Green was inserted back in the offensive line for two purposes. Number one, did it give Dominic Jackson some competition at right – tackle which maybe he needed and did it allow them to move bozeman to compete with alphonse at right guard because in the spring we talked about you know we thought it was going to be dominic jackson or bradley bozeman at right tackle right and now we see it's jackson so i wonder if brandon green was brought over to allow enough competition at both of those right offensive line positions to really find out who was the best guy at each one yeah, I think the answer is you know all that and more, right? Uh, when you think about, you know, and every everyone on the team sort of have a, has an aspiration for an opportunity to play in the NFL, and we certainly send enough guys there that that uh, you know if you can contribute, you at least get an opportunity in camp. And his opportunity is going to be at the tackle position, not at the tight end position. I mean, you know, the Detroit Lions made a made a tackle out of you know Michael Williams, which you know I, I think hopefully the the Patriots are going to undo some of that that damage, but uh, I, you know, if you look at where he's going to get his shot at, 
it's going to be uh, at the offensive line. And so, you know, coach, you know, I'll still run, you know, a tackle eligible, but let me get practice with the offensive line and let me develop because that's where I'm going to have the greatest opportunity. I think it's that. It's the competition. I think it's a little bit of everything. Uh, I don't think he was a true tight end. I just think he was a big body that we could put out there that had some athleticism. I think Dakota Balls has progressed. Uh, we've moved Johnny Dwight from the defensive line uh, to the tight end position. Uh, I think we've got more bodies at that position and more big bodies at the position than we had last year. So I think that gave us the flexibility to move Green back to the to the OL. Now let me be clear. I'm not that comment was more directed at did did the insertion of Brandon Green give the proper motivation to guys like Dominic Jackson to win the job? Because let's face it, when Dominic Jackson got here last year, he was listed behind Cam Robinson at left tackle, right? And there was comments when he got here that he was gonna, you know, he was brought in to win the left tackle job, correct? And so, and so, you know, Leon Brown was brought in to win a tackle job, right? And he ended up becoming a guard. So I wonder if Brandon Green was also brought in to give Dominic Jackson the necessary motivation that if you're not gonna earn this job, we'll find somebody else who will. Well, yeah, and I think it's I, th I think it can all be true, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna recruit as many left tackles as as you can because if I can if I can get all the left tackles, then I don't have to worry about any of the other positions because if you can play left tackle, you can play right, and you can play guard, and you can play center, right? And so let's go get these JUCOs that we think uh, aspirationally can be left tackles because they can still do something else if they can't be a left tackle. And so Leon Brown. You know, it looked like a bust year one, but, you know, late year two, year three, because, you know, he had three to play two. Um, you know, he was a he was a, a solid contributor. Um, you know, Dom is kind of the same way. There was an opportunity that he was going to be the left tackle, but I always thought he was a right tackle kind of candidate uh, anyways. And so that's where he is. And he got, you know, kind of dinged up in camp. And I think that kind of hurt him and and, you know, couldn't beat out you know, Shep at, at the position. And, and so that's just kind of where that netted out. Uh, is it motivation? Did green motivate him? Yeah. I think, I think, uh, he had layers of motivation himself, but I think Brandon green being there certainly didn't hurt. No, I, I just, I, I agree. I just was kind of curious your, your thoughts on that. Let me, let me jump to a wide receiver for a second. You know, I said in the spring that I was ready to see the depth of all these wide receiver recruiting classes, right? And I was ready to see these top 10 wide receivers, you know, come to fruition. And we spent a lot of time talking about, did that have more to do with Amari Cooper and, you know, the amount of targets and, you know, opportunities that he got versus everybody else, et cetera. Well, we went into the spring saying we're ready to see, or I did, we're ready to see, you know, Robert Foster and, and Chris Black, who I've been high on, and Cam Sims, and we're ready to see what they do. And now, and then they go and they bring in a JUCO from from Oklahoma State. What what do you what do you think about the Richard Mullaney and 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 is he going to be a possession guy that that comes out of nowhere for this team, or or or, or what do you see about him fitting in with these wide receivers? I think he offers a very good. Um, uh, different take on the position than what than what we've got 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot of top-end athleticism when you look at our Darius Stewart and Robert Foster and Calvin Ridley and Dalen Charlotte and, you know, Chris Brown when he's when he's full go and Cam Sims if, you know, if he's able to come back. And I think you get a different type of player uh, out, of, out of Melanie. And so it's easy to say, you know, white slot receiver equals Wes Welker kind of thing. But, you know, that's a passing offense that he came from at uh, Oklahoma State, and he he didn't sit on the sidelines a lot. He played, and so uh, you watch some of the highlights on him, and he has some capability, and he runs, you know, crisp routes, and he knows how to find the seams, uh, you know, the open spots and get open and, and make, you know, tough catches with his hands. And uh, I think he's going to be um, a really – man, and I hate to kind of fall into the trap of calling him sort of a possession receiver – uh, because I think he's going to do a lot more for us. But I think he just – and, again, it's all about setting the floor of your offense, and we talk about that in terms of the quarterback position. But I think he raises the floor a little bit because those third downs are going to be easier to get. It's going to be easier to keep those chains moving when you have someone that can really operate well in the middle of the field while you're stretching it vertically with a Stewart, a Foster, a Ridley, maybe even a Howard, those kinds of guys, uh, you're going to have uh, you're going to have Mullany, I think, making a lot of tackles. He's going to be an underrated uh, part of this team this year. Well, let's face it; he comes at a good time because yeah, we said last year that you know OJ Howard was a physical mismatch, right? The guy is bigger than a linebacker, right? He's bigger than a safety. He's far, or as big as a linebacker, bigger than a safety, faster than both of than both of them. He should be owning that third and five to third and eight space between the hashes, and he has not shown that he can consistently do that. And and a Chris Black as high as I am on a Chris Black or have been, the poor guy just can't stay healthy. Right. And so this guy comes at a good time because we need a Kevin Brown type of guy, right? I mean, let's face it, Kevin Brown is getting an opportunity in the in the pros because of dragging that foot on the sideline, and we didn't have that last year. Yeah, and, Norwood. And kind of, yeah. Sims, I'm sorry, Kevin Norwood, and and I got news for you. Blake Sims wishes he would have had Kevin Norwood another year last year. Oh, no doubt. You know, there's not a team that uh, that, that, that we're going to put on the field that uh, Kevin Norwood couldn't couldn't help. And, and you know, Mullaney, I think, has the opportunity – uh, Mulaney, I think he has the opportunity to kind of be that type of settling force, uh, or, or you know, kind of settling uh, uh, factor on on the offense, and it's going to be fun to see, right? I think that you know, it, you think of you know, sort of this new era of, of college football where you know, if you're a fifth year and you've already graduated, you can go somewhere else. It's almost a free agent sort of clause in uh, in the deal. And I think, you know, he probably said, well, you know, I can stay here and I'm doing well and I, you know, enjoyed here or I have an opportunity to go do something different. And here's this team with very good coaches. It always performs really well. And uh, gosh, they just lost an all world wide receiver. So I know there's going to be balls up for grabs. I can go get a bunch of them over there. And so um, I think I, I think it's the sort of the right blend of what he brings to the table with the need that we have. And it may be surprising how many catches that uh, that he has. Uh, I think he will quietly have games where he gets six, seven, eight passes. And you look at the stat sheet and you think, I, when did that happen? I don't remember that happening. But, uh, you know, you go back and look at a 12-play drive where he's had three catches, uh, two of them for first downs, that kind of thing. 
we'll see those type of stat sheets from him, I, I would predict. You know, we should do an over-under, right? Okay. Because, because last year, Amari Cooper had his 80-something catches, right? And the Alabama quarterback, you know, we we said we're happy if the Alabama quarterback is, you know, is is completing 20 for, you know, 20 out of 30 for 200 yards, right? Or 250 yards. He comes over with his 58, 59 catches, something like that. Because of all these other talented wide receivers and because of them seeing all these balls available to go around, what what do you see as a number line for him? Because you know, if he comes in here and catches 40 balls with all the that that means all these other guys are catching 20 balls each, and that'll be kind of surprising, won't it? Yeah, I think that you know, I would see 35 to 42 is kind of where I would go. Uh, he will not be the number one pass catcher, but um, he might be two or three. Well, if he catches over 40 balls, that's a bad sign for the Alabama team this year. Really? Yes, because with all of the talent they have at wide receiver, they have got to have a quarterback that can go through his progressions and can get that ball to the second and third guy. I'm well, sorry. See, where, where this team creates a mismatch is when they say, you pick your poison, right? You said in the spring show, which was a great point, you said – Last year, the guy who was third in the in the route tree, he didn't really dig that route out like he should have because he knew that the first guy was Amari and the second option was Amari to use your sarcasm, and it wasn't coming his way. Well, by damn this year, it needs to be, guys, any of y'all can get the ball at any time, and they don't have five talented cornerbacks on the field that can stop all of you horses and and really, that's the kind of attack this team needs to have. I'll tell you this. Here's 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 my going out on the limb. If Alec Morris wins the uh, the quarterback job, he will Mulaney will get forty catches because of what you're asking for. Because he will be able to go to the second and third receiver. And guess what? Quietly sitting wide open in the Always scene. Open. Okay, it's going to be Mulaney running running the perfect route. Or sort of changing his his route, breaking off his route, finding uh, a spot, sort of reading the quarterback, reading the situation, and so uh, I don't know if there's another quarterback that sort of would bring that ability. But uh, and so you can say good or bad is that good or bad for the overall offense? Well, that you know, let's call that a separate discussion. But if Alec Morris wins the job, then uh, yeah, forty catches would be my over under for uh, a, a player like uh, Mulaney. All right, so I'm taking the under on that. Okay. The uh, so I'm I'm assuming you're guessing 35 to 40 or up, right? Yeah, kind of 35 42 is where I'd put it. Okay. All right, so so I didn't start with quarterback, which everybody wants us to start with quarterback, and you've kind of held off. So why don't you go ahead and get your Kenyon Drake love fest going again that you had in uh, on our last show. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving wide receiver without getting my Darius Stewart love in. Uh, this kid, I'm telling you, super athletic. And, uh, you know, he got dinged up at the end of last season. Uh, I, you know, and that was didn't come out. Some of that didn't even come out until this fall camp. And, you know, I kind of went into some of the games late last season looking for him to have some breakout and ended up, you know, ended up he was dinged up. But our Darius Stewart's going to be a guy – 
Uh, everyone's talking about him during camp. I think I think that uh, we're going to see him blossom this year. But when we talk about running back, I tell you what, one of the guys, and you're right, Kenyon Drake. I really appreciate his athleticism and what he brings to the team. And one thing that I I will give hats off to uh, to him in that he appears, and I don't know him, so you know it's just like me talking about somebody else. But he appears to have matured in a way that just a couple of years ago we would not have uh, predicted. You know, I remember that you know he did something and uh, wasn't able to play in a game against you know Sisters of Mercy, and we had to actually bring Brett Calloway, Brent Calloway from a defensive position over to, to, to run the ball 15 times because Drake made himself ineligible for, for a game. And he's a guy that just seemed to perpetually live in a doghouse. And I don't know if Kiffin came with keys to that doghouse or something, but Drake just seems to have developed and matured in a, in a way that uh, has been really, really impressive. And I look forward to him this year being very dynamic, lining up at wide receiver. We saw him do that some last year. That's going to scare teams when he does that. But he just has the speed and uh, wherewithal to run between the tackles. I mean, he is, uh, you know, he's a dangerous player. And I look forward to seeing him uh, back up to full speed and healthy this fall. Coming off of the injury, right, that he, that he came off of, do you think there – I mean, obviously we, we've seen him and we've seen video footage, et cetera, and – he looks like he's progressing very quickly, but you know his injury tends to be one that that you really don't get that you know you don't really get back to where you were until that next season. Is 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 there some smoke and mirrors there? Is is you know is he really going early in the season in your opinion to be able to pick up where he left off for that kind of injury? You know we won't know until we know. Uh, what I've what I've heard from camp and and the little bit that I've seen, uh, he looks to be uh, performing well. He meets I don't the think, eye test, uh, which is which I was surprised at. I didn't expect him to meet the eye test. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and and to to you know lesser degree because it was it was months ago, but to a lesser degree, he did not look hobbled during a day. Now we weren't tackling him to the ground. And there were times that he was demonstrative in like, hey, he didn't tackle me. You know, I would have gotten away from that. And uh, I like that he had some spirit there. He wasn't out there just hobbling around. He was out there, you know, the player came to play. And, uh, you know, um, I think he's I think he's got something to prove. I, I, I think, you know, like I said, we'll know we'll know Saturday. Right. But sure. uh, I think that uh, I think he's going to be all right. What else? uh what else jumps out at you? There's a lot we could talk about. We could talk about the, you know, we could talk about Damian Harris. We could talk about some other things on the offense. What what else is uh, anything else jumps out at you here uh, offensively? Yeah, I think that uh, you know, and again, my big bold prediction. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry. This isn't bold, but when you take it all in aggregate, you know, Derrick Henry is going to rush for over a thousand yards. Kenyon Drake is going to have. Uh, more than a thousand yards from line of, line of scrimmage, scrimmage, and I'm sorry, I'm counting, you know, running and uh, receiving. And I think Damian Harris. I, I think this youngster. Uh, I think we're going to see him flash in Dallas, uh, much like we did uh, Yeldon as a uh, as a true freshman. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he racks up over 500 yards on the season. So I think we're going to get a lot of production out of the uh, uh, the backfield position. But I'll tell you what. Here's what's super exciting to me and. 
And uh, I think we have the opportunity to do this. And I, I can see, you know, this being something Lane Kiffin does. But if we line up in 11 personnel and we've got, you know, Foster and Stewart and maybe a Calvin Ridley or a Dalen Charlotte out at the wide receiver and, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake at the running back and uh, O.J. Howard at the, uh, the tight end position, that's a lot of dynamic athleticism that we could put on the field uh, and, and really mix and match them because – you know, one's a tight end and one's a running back. They can both split out. Uh, they can they can put a jumbo look with, uh, you know, a fullback look, uh, you know, OJ playing kind of a halfback uh, hybrid type of position. I think I think that's a package we could put out there, and that would be a lot of fun, uh, you know, to play uh, to, to play some quarters like that. Well, and, and to your point, right, I want us to create mismatches. Yep. I've been wanting it for two or three years, and I, f- I feel like we've had the personnel to have done it before, right? And so last year we said, you know, we've got very good wide receivers in DeAndre White and Chris John Jones and Chris Black and Amari Cooper. Well, guess what? Chris John Jones had like 12 catches on the year, right? I mean, Chris John Jones is still, you know, trying to make an NFL roster and, you know, he made the cut of 75 the other day. So now he's just got to make the cut of 53. Well, he didn't get a lot of opportunities at Alabama as a fifth year senior, nor did DeAndre White. And they're both currently still on, you know, their rosters of their respective teams like Amari Cooper is. My point is (laughs) we didn't do it last year and we got more toys to play with this year than we did last year. I just want to see it. That's all. And and so and so that makes me want to lean to Jacob Coker, right? Because I want to lean to that big arm guy who can just take that five step or that you know, five step drop. I guess seven's not realistic, but take that five step drop and and just really pick teams apart. I want to see games where the safeties can't cover that fourth and fifth guy and we just pick them apart. Yep. Yeah, and we, you know, we have the talent to do it. We've called for it, you know, before, and we haven't seen it quite in the ways that we would like to. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. It. Uh, this. I think this offense is going to be fun to watch. And and uh, you know, the. I'm not crippled by the fact that <laughs> there's still some variability in the quarterback because there's something about all of them that I like. Uh, there's not one that scares me like you know maybe in years past. Uh, and so there's something about all of them that I like, and it, it's almost the situation, you know, you, you know, let's, you know, it's like a video game. Let's play the season with one quarterback and then come back and play it again with another and, and just kind of, you know, you know, life doesn't work that way, but man, this will be a fun season to, you know, to have that opportunity. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, let's, let's flip the field and talk some defense, man. Well, you know, the big thing I think about on defense, and and this is probably an imagery that, that you're going to pop up, but, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, Sports, Ill- did, Sports Illustrated did a preseason thing. And you've talked about this so many times, I feel like I'm stealing your story. But, you know, they, they you know, had a defensive line. I think it was Marcel Darius and and Hightower and, and you know, I forget the DB, uh, Kirkpatrick maybe. Uh, you know, and, and you talk about, you know, really good defenses have, you know, a stud at each level of the defense. And I look at this team and I'm thinking, you know, we've got multiple studs at each level of the defense. And, you know, maybe we just start up front and work our way back, but this defensive line, um, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, hyperbole, but I mean, it legitimately goes 
seven, eight, nine players deep that that you know we've had starters that are not as good as the seventh and eighth guy on this defensive front. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what I don't know how else to say it without sounding just like a homer. But there's guys, you look at the back end, you know, you get down to Dalvin Tomlinson, Deshaun, uh, Hand, even a Darren Payne, we've had starters that were not as good as these guys. And uh, it's amazing they're they're on the third, they're, you know, they're three deep. Oh, absolutely, man. I You know, we, we talked about this last year when we talked about Jerron Reed, right? And, and, and we, we talked about, um, you know, what Jerron would, you know, what he looked like at A-Day. And we talked about, you know, we've got to have that guy in the middle who can keep the linebackers clean, right, and can man the double teams. And to me, when when Petway and Jerron Reed came in last year, they provided that depth that was so huge that allowed a Dalvin Tomlinson and a top player in the country, Deshaun Hand, you know, to just evolve, right? To not have to be the guys. Deshaun Hand didn't have to be the stud last year. Right. He just was able to be one of the guys. And I attribute that to Jerron Reed and, and DJ Petway. Because, you know, we we said, you know, we said in the spring that that let's face it, the the top four guys was A. Sean, Jonathan Allen, DJ Petway, and Jerron Reed, right? And and that's and that's who the guys were in in, in our opinions, right? Brandon Ivory was not one of those four guys, sure. and um, now you you just fit these other pieces around them, and and the way we're going to rotate guys, you know, they did a depth chart, but it really doesn't mean anything because. These guys have the versatility. I think what's so huge is a Jonathan Allen can will will line up over the center on a on a third and long, right? To rush the quarterback, right? Or an Ashawn can line up over the center on one pass rush play and he'll line up on the left end the next time and the right end the next time. And and like you said, they can be in a three down guys, they can be in a four down look. Um and and I think for the first time in a little while. Saban's got enough guys that he can really, you know, in years past, Saban had four guys that you always saw on third and long. Yep. They were they were the guys that he relied on. And a Dante Hightower had to go put his hand in the dirt, or a Courtney Upshaw had to go put his hand in the dirt on third and long because we didn't have four defensive linemen if we wanted to rush four. Right. And I don't think that's the case this year. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of a, a lot of versatility, uh, just a lot of depth, and you know, the, I don't think tro- Saban's trolling anybody with this, um, you know, starting lineup for the DL. I just literally think there's a starting DL uh, inventory is as useless for this team as it is probably for any lineup I've ever seen, right? Because you know, how often do we really, you know, we're a three, four. And so you have to put three guys up. How often do we really run a true three, four, uh, you know, and then, and then just the depth. I mean, like I said, you could take any of these four or five, you know, Jonathan Allen, DJ Petway and Dalvin Tomlinson is a fantastic starting three for any other team in the conference. Right. And so you think, you know, it could be any of those six guys, and they're going to shuttle and rotate so much 
then it almost doesn't matter who literally is the one out there when they kick it off because they're all going to play and they're all going to get a lot of snaps and they're all going to make a lot of plays. No, absolutely. Why well, I have to ask you on this depth chart, um, we talked in the spring about Jonathan Taylor and we talked about, you know, he was a huge Juco yep. addition and, and we felt like he was going to compliment a Jerron Reed and, and hopefully, you know, do what Jerron Reed did in last year's class. You have to be a little surprised that he's not listed on the depth chart at nose guard and that the true freshman Deron Payne is. Well, I, you know, he was kicked off the team, I guess, back in back in the spring. And so I, I'm not surprised that he's not on this depth chart because uh, because he was let go, uh, you know, some time ago. And it was a player that Saban took a risk on and, uh, you know, kind of got caught up in, in a story that uh, and we'll kind of we'll never know what happened on that one because, you know, he was arrested uh, and and then sort of the, the alleged victim um, sort of recanted. And at that point, you know, he was already, you know, he, he was brought in with some domestic violence kind of situations, very questionable situation. You know, I respect the idea of giving someone a second chance, but in, under a zero tolerance situation, um, it's easy to find yourself out of rope. And that's, you know, that's kind of this, that's kind of what ran, uh, ran into Jonathan Taylor. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we have here for all the talent that we have here. Um, if, if you wanted to just pick on something that we don't have, um, you know, it would be a true nose guard. You know, we've got Lake in there. Uh, I've seen Ashawn play nose, uh, Jaron Reed play nose. Um, you know, Darren Payne looks like a true nose and he looks, you know, he's a true freshman, but you know, you go tell him that. And, uh, you know, Joshua Frazier and OJ Smith, you know, younger guys too, that have big bodies that I think that can, that can kind of clog the middle. So, Jonathan Taylor probably would have been as good or better than any of those guys in that position. But, you know, it's, it's I'll say this. It's not like a few years ago when we thought our defense was going to stink because Darren Motley broke his hand in fall camp, right? And so I, I don't have the same sort of trepidation sure. going into the season because we don't have Jonathan Taylor uh, as, you know, as I did back with, with Motley and, you know, where would you put Motley in this top, you know, don't answer the question, but where would you right. put him amongst these guys? Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that just speaks to, uh, just how this position has, as how we've recruited well to this position over the years. No, absolutely. Um, well, let's, let's flip the field to, um, uh, let's flip the field to to linebackers for a second and 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 talk a little bit of or or not flip the field, but let's just change the linebackers and sure. and talk yeah. a little bit of talk a little bit about you know that position um, because you know we we talked in the spring about how do we replace the center of our defense and and you know where are we going to do that at the linebacker position and we talked about in the spring that you know who is going to be that base nickel third down linebacker who's going to cover that oj howard type of guy on third and five between the hashes because last year it was landon collins ultimately yep. sitting in the box at us you know as a as a safety right and so as i look at this depth chart i'm surprised that i don't really feel like how they've got this shown that we still don't have that guy. 
okay? Or, or that guy is not, you know, as, as we're looking at this depth chart today and we're seeing, you know, Reggie Raglan and Reuben Foster listed here, you and I saw that, right, at the West Virginia game, right? We saw that at the start of the season. And we saw how that looked with two big physical linebackers, you know, good against stopping the run. But do you see that third down nickel linebacker on the two deep on this sheet right now? Not in the way that not in the way that you're setting it up. I think that uh, I think Dylan Lee has more versatility than he's given credit for. Uh, it, but I, I think I think it's probably and, and we'll talk about DBs. But uh, I, I think you know we're still likely to see a safety in the box in that situation, especially covering an OJ Howard type uh, tight end. But uh, I like what we have at linebacker. Um, you know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't know exactly where you were going when you were saying, you know, hey, we saw Ragland and Ruben in the middle last year. Um, we did last year, and I probably had some concern about that last year. I'm kind of excited about seeing them in, in the middle of this year. A whole other year's experience. Uh, you know, I don't know if they've – if they have fastened uh, a Hans device to Reuben Foster's helmet or not, but if he if he keeps his head up and looks at what he's tackling, and then I mean Reggie Ragland just came on. I mean just the way he evolved like every game last season. I mean he's an All America candidate, whereas last year, you know, you know I don't know that any of us would have said that. You know, hey, here's a guy that has played special teams, kind of getting his chance. Uh, you know, long-suffering guy getting his chance to start. And, and you know, he's become a superstar almost. And so I'm excited about what Raglan and Ruben uh, bring to the table. And then, you know, Denzel Duvall is probably a little bit surprised to see him uh, in the starting lineup over a Rashad Evans or, or even a Ryan Anderson. But, you know, I like what he does. He's steady. And uh, Dylan Lee, I like what he does, and he, he, like I said, he has more versatility out of the position than uh, uh, than what he's given credit for. And so I you're, like surpri Sean. you're surprised by Denzel Duvall? Yeah, out of the starting four, yeah. I mean, you know, if you take a Dylan Lee and Reggie Ragland and Reuben Foster, and so who's your fourth guy? I would probably would have expected it to be Ryan Anderson over Denzel Duvall. All right, well, here's what I'll tell you. I'm surprised Dylan Lee is one of the four guys. And, and I know in the spring that you made the comments that, you know, if, you know, Dylan's got to be in the mix, right. Or, or else he transfers elsewhere. Right. I mean, he's got to be in the mix or, or he's going to go, you know, find a home somewhere else kind of deal. And I, and I know in the spring you said, you know, he can be that third down guy. Yep. I'm not mad at Dylan Lee. I'm just saying, and I'm not mad at Raglan and, and sure. Ruben Foster. I think they've progressed. I don't see. In a Denzel, I'll just take the four. I don't see in Denzel Duvall, Dylan Lee, Reuben Foster, or Reggie Raglan. I don't see any of them being able to cover a shifty running back um, in between the hashes on a quick five-yard route to get a first down. No, you know, I I don't know that I necessarily see that either, and you know, and. What we're saying without saying is we're looking for the next C.J. Mosley, and they don't come along very often. And and so you know maybe Christian, you know Christian Miller is a young kid that uh, redshirt freshman that that uh, you know has a little more mobility, uh, is is more of an outside type than some of these other guys. You know maybe um, 
you know, maybe he develops in, into into that kind of player. You know, Rashawn Evans is, uh, you know, for all the the excitement, uh, you know, for getting him, he's sort of an under-the-radar kind of guy. He may have, uh, and I think he came in and, and you know, selected Mosley's number, uh, had the opportunity to. I think he maybe uh, envisions him, himself as that kind of linebacker, and maybe he starts to emerge and show some of that this season. So I I don't I just because I don't know who that person is doesn't mean he's not on the roster. It just might mean he's not ready to blossom this year. But if it's Evans, maybe he does. I, I you know I don't know. Uh, but I think we're gonna have. But I like this group. I was a little more down on the middle on or not just the middle, but I was a little more down on the linebacker position last year uh, than I than I am this year. And I'm not super high on it this year, but I like what we have. I like the pieces that we have. And I think that we can do a lot of different things with the pieces. Do we have that C.J. Mosley sort of star? Um, no, we don't. We don't. The biggest star we have at the linebacker position is Reggie Ragland, and he's a different kind of linebacker. He's a true, you know, Mike Singletary middle linebacker as opposed to, you know, a C.J. Mosley type linebacker. So, and that's what, sure. I, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I feel like you're asking for. And I don't know that we have that guy. Because you don't have that guy very often. No, that's fair. And and I think Rashawn Evans, you know, and and Tim Williams, I'll be curious to see this year, does their role does their role evolve past that rabbit pass rusher? You know, do does Tim Williams and Rashawn Evans get the ability to show that they can do more things than just pin their ear back and and rush the quarterback? Because that's what they did last year, and 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 I hope to see more of that this year. But as you look at the depth chart, last year Xavier Dixon was listed was slotted in ahead of Ryan Anderson, and Denzel Duvall on the other side was slotted ahead of Dylan Lee, and then Dylan Lee was ahead of Rashawn Evans. So I do find it interesting that on this depth chart, they moved Denzel Duvall over to the other side. And Ryan Anderson is still running number two. Yep. And Dylan Lee got moved up. So yep. that's a little bit interesting to me that I just want to wonder why that is, right? Why did Dylan Lee get the you got two guys running number two last year, Dylan Lee and Ryan Anderson? Why is it Dylan Lee over Ryan Anderson? I think versatility. That, okay. That's what I would boil it down to. I mean, I think Dylan Lee could probably play any of the four spots. Um and so when you talk about versatility and, and maybe, you know, motioning with, with the offense, and again, I'm not saying that's the reason. If you, yes. if you meant that as a question, then that's how I would I answer Sure. Well, let me ask you this. You know how a lot of times we have four starting linebackers on the depth chart, but we run three out there, yep. right? Who is the oddball? Who is the Darrell Harris who is a starter but doesn't get but eight to ten snaps a game out of those four guys? Is it Denzel Duvall? Is it Reuben Foster? Or is it Dylan Lee? Yeah, it depends. You know, and that's an interesting question. I I'm inclined to say, um, and I kind of take the C.J. Mosley, Nico Johnson model, right? Uh, Nico was a starting middle linebacker, but you know we didn't play base a whole lot, right? And so he ended up, you know, more rotating with Mosley uh, on occasion and didn't get nearly as many snaps. And so playing from that model. Uh, I'm inclined to say that it's Reuben Foster. Correct. Uh, but, but again, I kind of go back to, 
and like I said, I like Denzel Duvall, but uh, I'm uh, of the four. I'm the most surprised that he's out he, that he's in the four. And so there's a part of me that wants to say Duvall as well. But you know, I don't know. I think I think it's it, it might be you know Duvall is the one who steps out, and Reuben Foster is the one that steps over and you know kind of puts his hand on the ground and becomes that Courtney Up- Upshaw type uh, type rusher because that's something Foster's capable of doing is getting after the quarterback. I'm going to call that Reuben Foster will be odd man out. Yeah. Okay. Of the four. I just was kind of curious your your thoughts there. Any anything else on linebacker? Um, you know, I know I know you mentioned in the spring that, you know, some of those guys said that Tim Williams could lead the country in sacks if he would just get his head in the playbook. Do you do you see Tim Williams kind of, you know, obviously he he's kind of buried on the depth chart here behind some senior guys. Do you see him um, taking off this year? Do you see him kind of just really the light coming on for him? You know, I'm reluctant to jump into that with both feet. Um, I know he's further back the depth chart, but, you know, I don't put a whole lot of stock in. Oh, he's 13. He's not going to get any time because, you know, again, the Saban depth chart sometimes is not worth the, the paper it's printed on because, you know, because of the way he does things. And it's not that it's not trustworthy. It's just that, you know, he does things differently. Uh, and doesn't want to demote, demotivate anyone, uh, and so I think Williams is 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 going to get a chance. I think we're going to see him uh, uh, Saturday, and if he has the opportunity to just put his ears his ears back and get after the quarterback, uh, I think he's put on some some size and interviews and hearing from other players. He seems to to develop and and mature is is in the playbook a little bit more. I'm just I'm just not ready to go all in. Uh, on on a Tim Williams, but I I mean, you know, I'll buy his stock as it starts to go up. Uh, is is kind of my thought on that. Okay. Um, well, give me give me your thoughts on the on the cornerback position. You know, one of the other things we talked about in the spring, which was which was one of your you know line items, was you know, does Geno keep the star position? Right. That's kind of how you said it in the spring. So, are you surprised that? You know, last year we had two five-star guys, you know, in in Humphrey and, and Tony Brown, and we thought one of those guys was going to burst onto the scene, right? And mm-hmm. neither one of them really seized it. Are, are you surprised that Minka has seized this star position and, 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 and kind of answered that question for you? Well, I mean, yes and no, because, you know, a true freshman is, you know, you don't expect that. Uh, and, and there's a, you know, you look at Minka Patrick as, is is a top, uh, you know, corner coming in with, uh, with a Sheffield kid. And, and there's a part of you that says, and I know competition and going to a good school, I, I understand all of that, but there's a part of you that says, you know, Alabama just signed the number one and number two cornerbacks in the country last year they will struggle to sign cornerbacks this year. And so what do we do? We sign, you know, two more top five cornerbacks. And you think, man, how do you do that? Because of uh, Saban. Well, I know, but I mean, I mean, because he, he's that head coach man who's got that defensive back pedigree. I they look, just, they I'm just have to you. come get it. They just got to come get that crack, man. I understand. I am with you. I just, but you think, man, even that's a, a high bar to be crossed and, and, you know, but then, you know, what do you do? There it is. I will tell you, I am 
when we start talking about our defensive backfield, and I know it's been a little bit of a weakness the last couple years, last couple seasons, I will tell you I am flat giddy about our defensive backfield. And Tommy, here here's why. I, you know, you had an opportunity kind of indirectly to ask Saban a question a couple years ago about defending, you know, spreads and, and stuff and, you know, having a third cornerback. And we've seen uh, us be successful with a third cornerback and using that, especially, you know, kind of in the in the star position. But, Tommy, the starting lineup is Cyrus Jones and Marlon Humphrey. And, and we can talk about any of these individuals, but just the two corners, like the two corners are Cyrus Jones and Marlon Humphrey. The safeties are Geno Smith and Eddie Jackson. The star is Minka Fitzpatrick. And the money is probably Tony Brown or Mo Smith. And so that's if we go to a dime, if we go to a full flat out dime, Tommy, we've got six cornerbacks on the field. No, I, I, I mean, that's not three, man. That's six on the field. We will count five and six cornerbacks on the field. Holy wow. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. And, and, and I will tell you that one of our subject lines in our last conversation was, you know, who's going to fill in for Landon Collins, right? And we said, who's going to be, um, who, who's, who's going to step in for that, for that free safety role, right? And, and we even talked about how there wasn't a lot of safeties on the roster. And we talked about how, you know, either a freshman was going to have to step up or, in your words, we might play three corners, right? Well, <laughs> we we doubled it, right? Because yeah. our base is going to be five corners. And so I really think that this speaks to, you know, this speaks a little bit if you look at the depth chart, okay? This speaks to the fact that we did not feel like our veteran guys were ready to step up and win that job and so we went and took a couple cornerbacks and we have moved them. Gino's transition started last year. Mm -hmm. Eddie started in the, you know, as soon as the bowl game was over. And I truly think we have said we have got to get more speed on the field. Yes. And we are, we've got the talent that we're going to basically run, you know, three cornerbacks, two bigger physical cornerbacks. And that's how we get more speed on the field. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and if you look at our true safeties, um, you know, you're looking at Hootie Jones, who's a, who's a, a true sophomore, played some last year, but still you know, a young kid. Yep. Still a young kid, didn't set the light on fire, you know, didn't set the world on fire last year, which is fine. He was a true freshman. I think he has still just an incredible amount of upside. He has a lot of speed for his uh for his size. Played a little bit of cornerback in, in high school, but you know, that's what the athletic kids do, right? And he, he's more of a true safety at, at his size. Ronnie Harrison's a true freshman, and Sean Burgess-Becker is a true freshman. And so if you look at what I would consider the true safety types, they're all young kids. And so uh, we have a lot of, of, uh, of depth and a lot of experience because we have. You know, last year I think we played five different cornerbacks. The year before I think we played six different cornerbacks. And so you get even down to a Jabril Washington and Anthony Everett, uh, a Bradley Silve, you know, a Mo Smith, who might be sort of on the second half of, of the list of players. They all have experience, and most of them have, have 
have have either started or played significant roles in games. And so out of our cornerback type players, we've got a load of them. And I, to your point, getting speed, um, getting speed on the field, I, I think there's a part of Saban and a part of Smart that says, I ain't, what the hell are you going to do with this? No, I, I, I absolutely agree, man. And, and we've talked in years past about how the safeties that were on the field could not cover the slot receiver on third down and and we we didn't get off the field and i'm sorry if you blanket the field with five cornerbacks and a nickel right yeah i like those odds a little better and let's face it and let's face it right we're not talking about your run-of-the-mill three-star guy no offense to three-star guys cj mosley was a three-star linebacker coming out of theater high school right all rating agencies can can make mistakes but currently as you go and look at the guys that make up that too deep right now, there's a lot of five-star guys coming, you know, on that piece of paper. And, you know, when Julio Jones and AJ Green were the top two wide receivers coming out of high school, five stars, they didn't get those wrong. Right. And so, so Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey and Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, just to start with those guys, you know, being able to have some of these guys on the field at one time is huge. And so what we really should be saying is how does the Alabama defense look for the first time under the Saban regime running their base nickel with five cornerbacks? Yes. Because we will have never seen that before. No, we won't. And, and I'll tell you this, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be like good, you know, eating good ice cream, right? Just slow down and just savor it because it tastes so damn good. This is going to be one of those situations where, you know, five or six years from now, when when almost all of these guys are starting in the NFL, and and you say, man, do you remember the days when when Cyrus and Marlon and Gino and Eddie and Minka and Tony were all in the backfield together? They all played in the. Can you on believe? The same team. <laughs> not only did they all play on the same college team, because wow, that's a lot of good DBs. Sometimes they all played together at the same time. I just, it's just going to be one of those times, just like, man, we just got to relish this because they're going to be gone and they're all going to have success in the NFL. And it's, it's going to be like, man, I just wish I could remember some of that time when they all played together. And this is it. Well, I'm definitely looking forward. You know, I, I will say, as, as we are excited, I am curious to see how Gino and Eddie Jackson, which one of those guys, if, if, if you had to guess, I'm assuming we're thinking Gino's going to play the pseudo free safety role, even though he's a cornerback and, and Eddie's going to try to be the Landon Collins strong safety position, right? That's what I would, that's what I would have guessed. But, you know, I did read somewhere that, you know, the, the way that they were rotating that, that Gino was more of the strong and, uh, and, and Eddie more of the free. And so. I'm wondering yeah. who's going to be the quarterback, right? It's yeah. like, who's the, who's the, who's the, who's driving in the passenger, who's right, who's driving the car and which safety's in the passenger seat. I'm curious yeah. to see which one it is. Yeah, that's good. It's, you know, and you could, you can make a case for either. Now Gino has played a lot of uh, Gino's played a lot of star and so he has played that puts him a little more close to the to the line of scrimmage. And so maybe 
you know, maybe going to going to strong uh, from star. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, tra translation there because they're both kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. Maybe. I, I don't know. I do know that I don't see this on the field as much unless we're just playing a pure Tampa two. But I hear the coaches talk a lot about the responsibilities between our free and our strong safeties are almost identical, that they're that they're highly interchangeable. And I hear the coaches say that, but I don't see that uh, on the field. The only time I, I would consider that true is if we played a, a true Tampa two, uh, and, and we don't do that a whole lot. We do that some, but not a whole lot. And typically when we do, uh, you know, it's out of a nickel or dime. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't know what I think there, but I'll tell you this about Eddie Jackson. And there were times last year where he was a little bit disappointed, uh, disappointing. I think he's going to have, you know, relative to how he played last year, he's going to have a breakout season. And I say that for two reasons. Uh, he he is oh, – I think he's over-talented. I don't know over-talented, but, but he is mighty talented as a corner to be playing a safety position. And last year he was coming off – a super quick rehab uh, to a knee injury. I think he hurt himself in a day and then was still back and, and played the season. And so that's one of those things where he, he was not full strength last year. And so now we're getting the athleticism that we saw as a freshman because uh, he's going to be fully recovered, more time and knowledge in the system. And then he's moving to uh, a position where he's less likely to be, kind of be caught up in one-on-one -on -one situations at a safety position. I just think he's bringing two pluses to, I won't say an easier position to play, but a very different position to play. And I think he's going to just, I think he can be a rock star at that, uh, at the safety position. Well, it's just putting guys in positions, you know, to, you know, to be successful and, and I think the biggest thing is is just getting speed on the field. Yes, um, I, I just think that's you know I'm I'm really curious to see how that you know because because so many teams are going four wides and doing these empty sets that it's almost like a chess game, right? It's almost like the cop you know gets a better radar detector and or you know a better radar gun, and so you have to get a better radar detector in the old days, etc. I mean it's like defenses might start evolving to this and saying, okay, well, the only way we can really combat this four wides and five wides is to get more cornerbacks on the field. Because in the old days, when you had a two wide receiver set or a three wide receiver set, you only needed two cornerbacks, but now you really need more cornerbacks. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, I think that's going to be one of the ways in, in which the defense uh, defenses start to, to respond. I just think if you look at what we've got, you know, you can line up an, an Ashawn, a, Jer, uh, a Darren Lake, and a Jaron Reed across the front. You can have a Raglan uh, at a middle linebacker, you know, among, amongst other guys. And then on top of that, you can play five corners. I mean, that's a defense that has two personalities, right? Oh, absolutely. So I, I find that to be very exciting. I have, you know, throughout the summer, we've, you know, talking about, you know, this season – there's been a lot of angst over the quarterback. There's been a lot of guys uh, that we're replacing on offense. And I'm excited about the offense probably more than I was back in June. But never for a moment did I have – and it's only grown as I've seen the depth chart and kind of fall camp. But, I, you know, for the longest time I thought, man, this defense has a chance to be 
has a chance to be for real. And I, I think this defense is going to challenge. Uh, the, I think we play a tougher schedule, but I think this defense is going to challenge uh, the 2011 defense. I'm really excited about what we can do uh, with uh, with our stop squad, and I think that's going to help. You know, that's going to help the offense uh, if we can keep giving them the ball, and uh, they can get they can get some extra reps to kind of get themselves in order. Um, yeah, I'm excited about how this team is going to come together. All right, so let me let me switch the field again to special teams for a second because I got to touch on your hot button, right? How do you how do you like in the depth chart? listing uh three guys who have been injured with all the talent this team should be able to field returners how do you like seeing Kenyon drake and our darius stewart listed first team at kick returner with their injuries last year and um or Kenyon drake yeah Kenyon drake or darius stewart or cyrus jones one of the two of those three how, how do you like seeing all three of those guys names uh coming off injuries last year um, or in the spring, couldn't couldn't we find other guys to put out there? Yeah, you know, you'd kind of think that uh, th- that we might. And I don't know who necessarily you would you would go with. <clears throat> I kind of like Cyrus uh, back there. I think that he he has the potential to make some really good decisions, and he's he's super fast. And so I look forward to to him being out there. I you know I just hope we don't get a guy. Man, I just hope we don't get a guy that continues to catch the ball on the eight bring it out to the 22 and then just all day, you know, look like an all-star because he's gained all these yards and they're yards that they'll give you for free. If you'll just let it go into the end zone. I just, I just, I just hope we get somebody that's just going to be a little more, well, to play the way I would want it to be played. Uh, and, and so I hope that I don't mind seeing our Darius back there because of his talent, but as a goodness. And I think I said this last year, I want to see him more as a punt returner because I think in sort of the broken, you get more of a broken field uh, sometimes in, in the punting game. I just think that's where he can he can make hay, and uh, I would really like to see him as a punt returner. But uh, you know, we've got a I'm lot just, of athletic guys. I'm just surprised Stewart and Drake being listed so high on the depth chart. Sure, given their injuries. Yeah, and then what? Black and Black and Cyrus are back there too, and, yeah. and they're coming off injury too. So, yeah, I you know I don't, I guess that is funny. I don't know what to what to say about that. I feel better about our kickers. Uh, Adam Griffith is back. Uh, nailed a couple fifty yarders in practice. Uh, reports are that his back uh, is healthy this year. He struggled with that last year, and <clears throat> I mean for me, because I'm a fanboy. Uh, when you say special teams, you don't have to say much more to me than, you know, P, you know, PK Scott. Yeah. Um, you know, you, for, for listener, for, for new listeners to the show, you, you, you had been asking for an open audition on the quad for a long time for, you know, uh, for place kickers and punters and, you know, Saban decides a few years ago, I'm going to go give a scholarship or excuse me, last year, I'm going to give a scholarship to a punter and, and look what the kid did. I mean, you know, I, I jumped to the returners just because, you know, he's kind of sure. like steady Eddie and, um, you know, this guy's going to play in the pros cool. and, yeah. um, you know, he, he kind of reminds us of that LSU kicker that we enjoyed warming up and, uh, we're, we're blessed if we can get our butts to the seats before kickoff, yes. you know, we'll, we'll get to watch him warm up a lot more this season. 
Well, I want to do that, and and I especially want to do that in Dallas because you know he was interviewed just recently, and and uh, you know the interviewer asked him about yeah, you know in the in the dome they've got this big uh, um, you know video screen, and you know during warmups you know some of the punters can hit you know have hit it, and he just kind of got this you know J.K. just kind of got this kind of coy look on his face and said you know wow that must be a really big screen and you know wow they must really have strong legs it would take a strong leg to hit a screen like that i would only imagine and so you know he's like hell yeah i'm gonna hit that screen during warm-ups and so i want to be there to see that no absolutely well hey uh give me give me your score prediction on this game you know they're you know 20 point favorite uh respected program you know, they're ranked twenty. We're right. a 10 point favorite. Okay, so so um, I think the line might have been greater than than ten points at at, at some point here in the okay. past in the past few weeks. Um, is is this the Wisconsin team that lost to the eventual national champion Ohio State fifty nine to nothing in December, or is this the team that beat Auburn in the bowl game in overtime by three points? What what do you, what obviously they lost players like we did, but yeah. but which of those two teams do you think shows up? Uh, is this going to be a team? Is this going to be like when you and I went to Dallas to watch the Michigan game when the Michigan players just really showed up and got popped in the mouth? Or is this going to be a game you know for the duration? Man, you're throwing off a lot of sparks there. I don't I don't know where to. I don't know which I don't know which shiny object I want to jump jump on. You know, first I think I think they were definitely two. I think uh, whiskey was definitely two uh, two different teams in in the two games that you mentioned. Uh, I think I think their uh, their former head coach name escapes me. Uh, I think he had a foot out the door, and uh, I think uh, I, I think you know former head coach and uh, current athletic director um, Barry Alvarez. I think I think his shorts get splinters. When uh, when he has the opportunity to coach coach a bowl game, and he's done it twice, uh, he's done it twice since he's been uh, the AD, and so he doesn't have to he doesn't have to recruit, he doesn't have to you know sort of manage the the whole season. He just goes you know gets to go out there and be a head coach for about three weeks, and uh, you know give himself a bonus for doing that. And I think he's I think he's two and zero in the in the two games that he's done that. And so uh, in, in some respects, it's still his program. And Paul Christ, you know, first year head coach or uh, first year as the head coach at Wisconsin, but he was an offensive coordinator there for a number of years, including years under Barry Alvarez. And so I don't see the personality of the team changing that much. They retain their defensive coordinator. And so I think they're going to be better than what they were against, uh, you know, that Ohio State team. Uh, you know, are they going to be as good as as what they demonstrated against Auburn? Probably not, because I think they've lost a lot. They've lost two, uh, three offensive linemen. I know we have two, uh, and then they lost, uh, you know, their star uh, running back, and they've got a good, you know, uh, a good backup in in place too. Uh, Corey uh, Clement, I think, is going to is going to be a pretty good runner. I just don't see the depth on their team. Uh, I read a lot of, uh, I, I read a couple articles, and they were talking about. Uh, just how pleasantly surprised 
that these names were just popping up everywhere in these positions and and some of them some of them were younger guys and some of them were just depth had historically kind of been depth guys on the program and that just that just reads to me as an overexcited fan writing an article about their team but because I've done that before and but when you really break it down it's like you no know, you know there's a reason that a fifth year senior hasn't played a whole lot and there's a reason why uh, you know, walk-ons are getting starting positions, and it's not because they've suddenly become all-world players. Uh, it's because there's not a lot of talent in front of them, and so I see them. I see them. <clears throat> you know, I think is a weaker uh, is is a weaker team than they were last year, kind of on a whole. Uh, but they do have good coaching. They do have some good talent. Man, I am so reluctant to say that it's going to be like the Michigan game. But the more I read about it, the more it just feels like the Michigan game. And so maybe instead of, you know, 41 to 14, maybe it's, you know, 31 to 13 or something, something like that. But I think that uh, I, I think we sort of demonstrate our dominance th- through the game. I think this whiskey goes down easy. Well, I, you know, as, as we were looking at their, you know, the news coming out of their camp, it was a little surprising how many, you know, players were moving around. And so, you know, a couple things jumped out at me. You know, not only did you say they were trying to get some, you know, trying to get some continuity at offensive line, they didn't even have the same five starting offensive linemen throughout fall camp. You know, they had they had a couple guys go out with concussions. Yep. You know, in their starting wide receiver core, in their in their two, you know, they they run a two wide receiver set as their base set. One of their starting wide receivers is a quarterback. Now he's six foot six, but he's a quarterback. Yeah. And so, who also, by the way, plays a little safety on defense. So, you know, it's interesting to me that one of your starting wide receivers on your team is a quarterback who you've just converted to wide receiver because he's six foot six and you're hoping he can go up and highball the, you know, the ball. So, you know, this is the kind of team that I think we match up with very well, right? Yeah. When when we played Michigan, you know, we were concerned a little bit about, you know, the mobility of their quarterback. Yeah. Well, he okay. ran that option in the first quarter and got thudded, and that was the end of that, right? Yeah. That, 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 you and I saw that, and we spotted it, and we laughed about it and all that. Well – this quarterback who had to win the job back because he wasn't even the starter last year. Yep. This guy's not going to be running around like the Michigan quarterback was. No, he's he's more of a drop back passer. And, you know, like you said, as a junior, he for you know, kind of reasons unbeknownst, and it, and it was kind of a sort of a weird story that, you know, he played so well as a sophomore, lost the job as a junior, didn't play nearly as well. He only completed fifty three percent of his passes last year you know, 62 as a sophomore. And so it's almost which Joel Stave are you going to get? And, uh, you know, we may be in a position to answer that question better than, uh, and I say we being our secondary, may be in better position to answer that question than, than he will. But, you know, that'll be interesting. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. And, you know, talk about moving people around and tell me how this strikes you is, is, uh, is interesting. Uh, last year, they, uh, last year's starting middle linebacker is now a safety and then they do actually have an all big uh, all Big Ten conference 
uh, cornerback, Darius Hillary. I think they're going to move him around quite a bit. But uh, I think his uh, partner in crime, the other corner, is a converted wide receiver. And I know Cyrus Jones is a converted wide receiver, but that was three years ago. This article read, uh, you know, what I read uh, made it sound much more recent than that. Uh, you know, maybe last season he was a wide receiver. So, um, you oh, know, sure. he, and, they're, and, they're, and they're two inside linebackers are new starters. Yeah. And, you know, one of the one of the things I saw was, you know, somebody trying to be objective and breaking down the team. And he just point out he just, you know, just came out and said, you know, my biggest concern here is, you know, our ability to stop the run. Yes. Yes. And 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 so I, I see a situation where they're gonna try to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, which is the strength of our team stopping the run. <laughs> and um they can't stop the run against Derrick Henry. Th this just doesn't match up well for them. I don't we're think we're not does. the right team to show up to play them in Dallas. Yeah, I I feel that way too. And 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 I don't want to just sound like an Alabama homer and an SEC homer and all that. It's just I you know the articles that I've read and we've been following enough football that I can kind of read between the lines, right? I mean, when you have to take a quarterback to turn him into a wide receiver because you've taken your wide receiver and you've made him made him a cornerback and you've taken a middle linebacker and put him at safety. And, uh, you know, last year, you know, sort of their base defensive front is a three-man front, but, you know, they would, they would bring in more linebackers and DBs last year and sometimes only play two or maybe even only one situationally, only one defensive lineman. And all of that just starts to sound like, man, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. If you have five and six and seven very talented defensive linemen, you don't you don't take them out. You go you go from three to two to one because you don't have a lot of depth. Otherwise, you're trying to figure out how to go to three to four. You know? Oh, absolutely, man. If this game, okay, if this game is close going into the third quarter we need to be scratching our head and drinking some more whiskey well let me because, ask you this okay okay and not that we might not do that anyways brown water tastes good um but we had similar thoughts so just devil's advocate right we had similar thoughts playing Vatech a couple of years ago that they were beat up uh didn't have a lot of depth freshman corner all those all those kinds of things and um i'm not gonna say that that game was ever in question but our offense struggled mightily and uh you know i know we scored we still won 35 to 10 yeah was it 35 to 10 yeah. or was it 25 to 10 35 10 that was the year after we played michigan so 2013 in the georgia dome 35 10 okay I know we scored multiple touchdowns on special teams and defense, and the offense just kind of seemed stagnant. And so I guess that final score looks, you know, sounds better than the performance because it was kind of a, a dreg kind of game and, and uh, you know, not a lot of fun watching our offense struggle and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Is there an opportunity, I guess is what I'm trying to say, for for something like that to happen against Wisconsin, for them to kind of surprise us in a way that Vatek did? No. Um, no. I think we're going to give up our kick return. I, I think we're going to give up a touchdown on kickoff return, like mm -hmm. as, as our MO at the start yeah. of the season. 
Um, we gave up one against West Virginia. We gave up one against Vitek. I mean, that that's kind of our MO, right? Sure, sure. It, we, we give up that touchdown. Um, but I don't see 41-14. Um, I actually see 48 to I see 48 to seven. Wow. I, I see the only touchdown they get is on special teams. Wow. Okay. I, I really think this is going to be a thumping. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to officially say 34 to 13. Um, okay. But uh, I, I, again, you know, the whiskey goes down smooth. I think that I do think that we take care of business and that we don't look bad doing it. No, this is going to be a statement game. I think, you know, Nick Saban said in his press conference on Monday, he said, we've got to get back. I'm paraphrasing, but it, but you heard it too. But it was like, we got to get back to our identity. And when he first got to Alabama, he said, we want to be a team that teams don't want to play. And last year, I don't think we were a team that teams were scared of. No, no, we lost and, that edge. And, yeah. I, and I think he wants to, I, I think he wants to get that back. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because a couple of things, because I have noticed an edge about this team in preseason and and coach. And I think coach seems to know that he has a good team and he's really sort of motivating his guys to get back to that personality and just focus on getting better every down and, and you know, playing relentless. And just like you said, but he's he has thrown in two words – in, in describing how he wants his team to play that I've not heard him use as much as he has this year. He said that he wants his team to be dangerous and that he wants this team to be a nightmare for other players. Now there's being relentless and there's being someone that you don't want to play and, and, you know, play to your standard, but dangerous and nightmare are two more colorful terms that I I've not heard him say a whole lot, and I I just think that I just think this person this team has a little bit of an edge to it. I think they're pissed off. Well, I think part of that can also play into under this new playoff system, right? There's that style points thing, and that's why I said my score forty eight to seven because I think this year he's going to say, guys, we got to put our foot on our throat on their throats, and we got to put them away. And, and this can't be a, you know, this can't be a West Virginia final score. This has to be a statement. Yep. And so he knows coming out as the number three ranked team in the country that he needs to splash, make a big splash in game one to stay in that top four, in my opinion. Not, not only, and I don't think he's concerned about staying in the top four immediately, but I think that he wants to go out there and, and, and so now you may be having me rethink my score, but he wants to go up there and, and, you know, put, put on a show that everyone else is immediately going to say, Oh, Alabama's back. That's what I think. And so maybe, maybe your score is a little more accurate where he comes out there and, you know, we got Ole Miss in a couple of weeks and we got a tough conference schedule and, and, you know, and whatever it may be. And so if all of those teams kind of sit around week after week, week after week and say, we can beat this Alabama team, we can beat this Alabama team, then those teams become harder to play. But if the gauntlet is thrown down and those teams start to question, even weeks before they play us, they start to question that, hmm, 
that's going to be tougher than I thought it was. Uh, I think maybe that's a message he wants to send not only to his team but to opponents as well. So I don't know. Maybe that maybe that uh, does something for us on Saturday. Well, I, uh, I I definitely hope that's the case because uh, I want the celebration to start early. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and and I want to see I want to see a backup quarterback, whoever that is. I want to see them get a little work. So we play three quarterbacks, right? I mean, I mean, you, that's, think, we, you think we play three quarterbacks yeah. in the game? Yeah, and, I mean, and I'm and I'm not trying to like you know do something jerky by you know well, Cooper Bateman's gonna you know hold the snaps. No, I think we play three quarterbacks. Okay. Well, uh, I, I will. I will be surprised if that happens. I hope we do, but I'll be surprised if that happens. We'll see. We'll see. Well, man, I've enjoyed it, man. Looking, looking forward to it. Holy cow, man! I, I know we're late getting this out, uh, but gosh, we appreciate everyone. Uh, you know, there's been a number of people reached out, like, "Where are you guys?" And so, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we appreciate you doing this. You can tell, right? Once we get going, we enjoy the heck out of this, and uh, we've had some technical difficulties and. Life, man, just work life gets in the way. And so uh, all that kind of stuff. But, man, this is a lot of fun to do. And we really do appreciate everyone out there. And, and Tom, I'm looking forward to I know you and I are traveling out to Dallas on um, on Friday. Uh, we'll be the, we'll be the ones in the red shirts going to all the steakhouses and uh, and, uh, you know, at the game. So catch us there. Right. Absolutely, man. Buy us a drink. That's right. Hey, man, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast powered by Bama Hammer. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.